Welcome to The Freelancer's Friend, episode 14. The more you're able to educate your ideal reader, the, the likelier they are to trust you with something that you haven't even asked for. If you want to enjoy a thriving freelance business, then learning from others with the knowledge and experience is invaluable. Our guest this time is longtime LinkedIn expert Daniel Alfon, and in this episode we chat about the best place to start for using LinkedIn to get clients and projects, uh, treating your LinkedIn profile like a website, how many connections you need, the best strategy for making new connections, the best approach for building a presence and getting noticed on LinkedIn, how often you should post and what you should post, and more great advice. So let's get on with it. Welcome, Daniel. Thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Victor. Uh, where are you calling from? Uh, south of Tel Aviv, Israel. Sunny. Sunny. It's sunny here too, uh, which is strange for the UK. <laughs> uh, you're, you're a French-born, apparently trilingual Israeli, speaking English, French and Hebrew. And you were one of the first people to open a LinkedIn account in early 2004. Uh, that's 16 years ago, so you have a bit of experience on the platform. <laughs> <laughs> Since then, you've uh, published a book called Build a LinkedIn Profile for Business Success. You've spoken across virtual and physical stages in three continents and helped thousands of entrepreneurs and consultants to grow their business. Uh, the first thing I want to ask is, uh, why would a freelancer want to consider LinkedIn any more than the other social platforms? That's an excellent question. And one uh, way to look at it is to think about that freelancer's clients or the prospects. Are they on LinkedIn or aren't they? The more we find that our uh, ideal clients are on LinkedIn, then it makes sense for the freelancer to leverage, to start using LinkedIn. And many of our freelancers' uh, clients would be on LinkedIn. Okay, yeah, makes sense. And what should a freelancer be asking themselves if they were starting to use LinkedIn or, you know, thinking about using LinkedIn to get clients and projects? Uh, I was listening to the episode you, uh, you released with uh, Dave and, and he mentioned knowing who our ideal client was. So I would start with this, not, not with LinkedIn at all. Just knowing who our ideal client is. Once we know that, then using LinkedIn will be much easier. Okay, I can, I can say suggest three questions once we know our uh, ideal client. Let's take an example of, of um, um, a freelancer offering IT services around Nottingham. Okay, so who would be their ideal client? It could be business owners, it could be uh, IT managers or, or COOs of small firms, it could be local, it could be... Um, um, as Once we, we know who the ideal reader is, next question is, what would, would, what would we like that person, what action would we like that person to perform after they visit our profile? And then freelancers would say, that I would like them to go to my website, or to contact me, or to send me a message, and, and to start discussing their needs. And the simple last question is, if you were your ideal client 
and you were to bump into your LinkedIn profile, do you think you would actually perform that action or not? And that's the moment many freelancers say, okay, you know what? I wouldn't because there's no information there. I'm not guiding my ideal reader to even understand the services I'm offering. So the first stage is to think about our ideal clients, about the questions they ask, about the information that would make them understand the services we offer and make it as easy as possible for them to reach out, to understand quickly what we offer and to be able to message or go to a website or download whatever, watch a YouTube video, whatever we want. A, a LinkedIn profile is an, an optimized LinkedIn profile catering to our ideal client is the first step in my opinion. Yeah, you've talked about treating your LinkedIn profile like a website. What do you mean by that? Uh, many freelancers ask me, um, okay, but I'm not, I'm not looking for, uh, I don't want to be an employee. I want to offer services to, to, uh, to companies. And in their mind, LinkedIn should look like a CV. Okay, that's what I've done. I, I was with uh, that bank for four years and then I moved to something else. But if you decided you were a freelancer, that structure no longer makes sense. So instead of treating LinkedIn as a CV, you sh freelancers can think about it as a website. Like what is what it, what is uh, the action I want people to perform and how do I show them that information? And that gives information about the services they offer, who they work with, uh, recommendations, testimonials, ways, ways to uh, reach out to them. And, and that makes a lot more sense than just saying, um, I'm the owner of uh, XYZ and, and, and that's it, like, like a CV. Yeah, exactly. If you're an employee, doing that is fine. But if you're not, it doesn't make sense. No. Yeah, I have seen quite a few profiles that take that approach of a kind of CV and just, just a history of what they've done or the skills they, that they can provide, that kind of thing. No. Um, is it necessary to have a lot of connections uh, to to get anywhere on LinkedIn, or can you can you get by with just a few <laughs> uh, more quality kind of connections? It's a great question. I don't think you need a lot. Technically, the moment you have say thirty to fifty connection, you can perform almost any action on LinkedIn. Okay. The the thing to do is to uh, to remember that freelancers have a real life network. Okay, so if they've been in business or if they've worked for 20 years, that network may be hundreds of people. If they're just starting out, it may be dozens. Okay, but they have a real-life network. Part of that network is reflected on LinkedIn. Okay, if, if I know, well, say 500 people, maybe only 200 of them or 300 of them or 400 would be on LinkedIn. That's the core network that I would advise freelancers to connect with. Because that basically reflects the, the people we know in real lives, from university, from work, clients, colleagues, past people we've worked with, etc. There are two ways to look at it. Okay, there's you should freelancers should ask themselves: Do I want to be best connected, or do I want to be most connected? And you have to pick one. So what does it mean? Okay, so being uh, uh, best connected means that if I look someone up, my ideal client, and LinkedIn shows me we have a mutual connection, okay, I see, I see the figure two, and, and I see 
someone and I know who that person is, then it enables me to reach out to that person and ask him about my new client. And sometimes that, that could lead to a meaningful introduction and to great business. Thanks to that person who actually made my client just listen to me, give me a couple of seconds. That only uh, happens when you know your network, when you actually know your connections. So that would be the best connected. Most connected would be for people who want their link, whatever they share on LinkedIn, to have huge exposure. Okay? So if uh, that person has uh, 30,000 connections, that's the limit today, then whenever they share something on LinkedIn, many people would see that. The hard truth is that freelancers and everyone needs to pick one of them. Because everyone wants both. We want a quality network, but, but we also want exposure. And they're mutually exclusive. You can't. The more you go to the quantity, then it means you no longer know people. And if you only stick to people you know, then the quantity will not be 30,000 people. If I found that most freelancers, I, I would start with a quality network. Simply because being referred to, or some of our best clients come through networking. When someone, uh, when someone says, you know what, you should speak to Victor Taylor because he could help you achieve that, then it gives you warm leads and, and warm introduction, and that could lead into excellent business for freelancers. Many freelancers start this way. They start with a quality network, and then they hear you must have a large network. And what happens, unfortunately, is that they start enlarging their network without ever really reaching a significant size. Could I, could I give a quick examples with numbers? Of course. So let's say um, we think of two people. One of them would have 300 connections and they would know everyone well, okay? They would be best connected, if you like. Whenever we share something on LinkedIn, let's say that 2% see it. So if I had a, a network of 300 people, 2% would be six people would see whatever it was I shared on LinkedIn. So I don't have a lot of exposure, but what I do have is access to the, to the connections of my connections. And that could, be, could mean significant business. Let's think about the most connected. If I have 30,000 connections, then 2% whenever I share something would amount to 600 people. That's nice, that's sizable. The trouble is many freelancers start with a quality and then they end up having, you know, 1,000 or 2,000 or 3,000 connections but that doesn't really mean they have a lot of exposure because if if you have 3000 connections the views will be only 60 people remember we had six now we're only adding 54 it's it doesn't make sense because it would be a lot easier to select 50 people to message rather than enlarge our network tenfold because what happens is we haven't reached real exposure on the one hand and we polluted dangerously the quality of our network because every time I see someone who could be an ideal client, 
and I see a mutual connection, then I go like, who's this person? And that means I can no longer get an introduction. And if that ideal client looks at you, they would see the same people. So let's imagine you have three common mutual connections. One of them is an ideal client. He would say great things about you and two are people you don't know. When your ideal client looks at your profile and see those three people, you will not be there to, to say, you know what? Don't ask Ben, ask Jane. Because they would see the three names and they would decide for themselves. And if they ask someone who doesn't know you, they, they won't badmouth you. But they say, I have no idea who that person is. And not, now you're less likely to start a, a meaningful discussion with that ideal client. So in short, I would pick either best or most. And for most of our listeners, I think it would be best stick to people you know and maximize that. You can have tremendous business uh, from LinkedIn with 50 connections or 200 connections if you know them well and if you uh, mm -hmm. work systematically. So it's quality over quantity. And even if you uh, develop a much larger network or of connections uh, and you get uh, more people to see an individual post, then not as many people are actually going to um, respond to that post in any way because you've not got any real connection with most of your network. You're absolutely right. It's, it's a choice between trust and exposure. And I found that in many cases, freelancers need trust. It's not exposure. I, I know that by Googling a service, I will find 20 web consultancies. But it's knowing that I can ask someone who knows you would actually recommend reaching out to you. And that's, that, that's no longer exposure. Uh, but we still have to make connection as, connections, of course. Um, and there are various possible strategies for making new connections. Uh, what strategy or approach is the best for freelancers, would you say? Uh, I imagine that most freelancers would encounter new people they would work with. If not on a daily basis, then on a weekly or certainly monthly basis. As long as you have a system, you're good. Most freelancers and most LinkedIn users don't have a system. They react. In other words, they got a lot of invitations. They check that, that, uh, those people out and, and they would accept A and reject B. But three months ago or six months down the line, they would behave differently because now I'm looking for clients. And three months ago, I was uh, busy. It doesn't make sense in the long term. So having a system is the best tip I could, I could give people when you know someone well enough after you've met, after you collaborated, after you had a meaningful discussion, either in real life or virtually, that's, the, that's probably the best time to connect with that person because you're fresh in their mind. Your um, chances of, of, of your connection request being accepted is high and the follow-up makes sense. Remembering someone when you need them two years down the road is probably the worst networking strategy uh, mm -hmm. most many freelancers um, unfortunately uh, use. Oh, I see that uh, th this is a, a great client and now, now I, I see you, let's connect and then I will immediately ask you, we haven't spoken in years, 
but I will immediately, immediately go for the sale. So it's kind of treating it like real life situations, real life networking and real life friendships and uh, thinking about would somebody appreciate this in real life if you just phoned them out of the blue and asked them if they, if they wanted to buy something from you and you haven't seen them for two years. Um, so, um, so that's making connections, but um, we need to build a presence online in general <clears throat> and on, on the LinkedIn platform, you need to get noticed, of course. Um, is, do you have a, what kind of approach is best for building a presence and getting noticed on LinkedIn? Um, it depends on the sort of content you can find or produce. And getting back to our ideal client, um, if, if I were a, a UX specialist or a graphic designer, and the, the, my ideal client would be a market manager or a marketing manager in, in a certain industry, then I would try to find content that resonates with them, that deals with their problems, that enriches their, uh, their world, and the best content I found to work on LinkedIn is informational content versus, you know, salesy uh, content. So if I were to show you, uh, if you're uh, hesitating about sort of platform you need to use, for example, if you're, if you're uh, not sure about uh, Marketo, about Pardot, about something else, and that's my specialty, then I would try to um, either write or curate content that asks a couple of questions. Like, what would you like to do after you install or use that system? If you're that size, maybe this system would work best for you. You have to bear in mind that the other system has those advantages and those drawbacks. So the more you're able to educate your ideal reader, the, the likelier they are to trust you with something that you haven't even asked for okay because i've been following what you've uh, written and i've listened to the to the interviews and now i feel i trust you enough to give you my time and ask for your services and freelancers uh does, don't necessarily have to produce that content okay if, if you can it's it's ideal but just finding informational content and sharing it with our ideal clients is a long way toward building our uh, relationship and our branding with them. So you mainly want to give uh, useful information and educate uh, people in your target market um, and then just provide like you said, some like in real life. Yeah. And uh, so how often should you post your own stuff then? Your own kind of promotional <laughs> posts, if at all? Probably, probably less often than our listeners think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, let me, let me explain a bit. Um, many freelancers who are used to, use, to using, you know, Facebook or Twitter or other platform in their mind, if you don't post something, you know, for 24 hours, it means you're, you've been hospitalized. <laughs> but on LinkedIn, most of our network does not want to see us share that many things. Okay, like you, you could share something once 
quarter and it would work you don't have to uh, to um, spam your network and to hijack their feed because what when that happens or when they realize that every time that person uh, shares something it's a salesy pitch then the second third or 20th time they will either hide that person's content and that means the freelancer will, will no longer get in front of their uh, eyes at all even when they have amazing content or disconnect from them and both are not not good options i can share with you a simple flowchart helping freelancers understand how often they should share on linkedin and how and the system I will, I will share with you is not, uh, you don't have to follow it to the letter. It's just a framework. And every freelancer can take that and change it based on their own needs and use it as their system. Okay, so should you automate anything on LinkedIn or should, you, should it all be a manual <laughs> process? What do you think my answer is going to be? Victor, what well, I'm think? guessing it'll be a manual process. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, I think the freelancers freelancers um, have a lot to lose if they use automation on LinkedIn, because automation only makes sense when you have you know thousands of people, thousand really a large amount of data, and nothing is really personal. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you got all sorts of connection requests. And if you accepted those connection requests, then the next stage would be a pitch, one way or, the not, or another. Okay, I see that you do this and that. We're an amazing uh, company based in India. We, India, we have a welfare uh, web design uh, services. And that person hasn't read your profile. Okay, nothing proves that he's read your profile, and sometimes they offer you services that you actually offer to your clients. Mm -hmm. So the chances of you hiring them are real slim. It really baffles me how people believe those kinds of me messages are going to get anywhere. Um, maybe they do, maybe they send out thousands and thousands, and one person actually falls for it. Who knows? Please don't be that person. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's another thing I will share with you. In, I'll share a, a cartoon uh, with uh, seven uh, uh, types of uh, LinkedIn connection requests. I think I know which one you mean. I, I think I saw that on your Twitter account. Um, but yeah, definitely. Yes. Um, if, you, uh, if you send a copy of that and then I'll put it up, put it up on the video. It's, uh, it's really funny and it's perfectly correct. Um, are there any other mistakes that the listener should avoid on LinkedIn that you can think of? One thing freelancers should, uh, should understand is the difference between their profile and their LinkedIn page. Okay. On LinkedIn for freelancers, a, a, their company page is of no importance. Few people will actually visit it. Most of the marketing will be done through their individual profiles. The moment you have, you know, 300 employees, then it makes sense to start doing something with the page. But the, the, the page is basically a static element. 
it's nice to share once you know every two or three months something there but the natural action for LinkedIn uh, users is to connect with you as a person Victor and the action of actually following a company page is extraordinary for most LinkedIn users most LinkedIn users only follow a couple of companies by default the company they've worked for and that means that the company page is not the marketing vehicle we as freelancers should use whereas our there's another difference okay if uh, uh, a freelancer gets a connection request and accepts it then they have access to that person's email and they can actually leave LinkedIn and communicate with them Whereas if they only follow the company page, then yeah, you would see that instead of 24, you have 25, but that doesn't mean anything. You cannot communicate with those people outside of LinkedIn and it would make a lot more effort to convert them into actual clients. So the first thing is to understand we need to, as freelancers, it's best to focus on, uh, on our profiles. Okay. Leave the company pages for corporations to use. Yes. Once they're big enough, then they'll hire someone to do it. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add to what we've said already? Um, In general? I think the... Let, let me say this. LinkedIn is a very strong business community, but it's not very intuitive. Okay, it's actually counterintuitive. Like you would imagine A, but actually what happens is B. So if the freelancers uh, who are listening to us find that their clients are on LinkedIn, it's best for them to spend time playing with LinkedIn, going to the desktop version and actually start using that system. The more they understand the system, the better results they'll have, the faster the results they'll have. And, and if you only try to use LinkedIn when you need clients, it means you haven't been here for a while and it, it's, it's not likely to be successful. So even spending, you know, 10 minutes a week, say, over six months on LinkedIn, it's much more powerful than dedicating, you know, a whole weekend, you know, 16 hours to, to do anything you can on LinkedIn. Because most of our network will not visit LinkedIn during that time. So it's best to actually touch LinkedIn delicately every now and then and not try to, uh, to move um, and spend you know, days on it because it will not be as efficient, I'm afraid. So just 10 minutes a week is enough and it's consistently uh, doing just a checking in and doing little bits on a consistent basis rather than trying to do it all in one go. Does the algorithm uh, appreciate that more as well? Does that, does, do you get any kind of more exposure if you use the platform more often? What happens if you, uh, let's say that uh, you shared something on LinkedIn and a couple of hours later you share something else. Okay, because for a full day you've, you've been working on LinkedIn then the second uh, link you shared actually ca cannibalizes the first. 
Okay. So you're competing against yourself. Now, if you use LinkedIn for 10 minutes a week, and you know, next Thursday you're going to share something, then LinkedIn sees that a whole week has passed, and it's not going to penalize you for that. So that's just one, one aspect, but there are many, many others, because if you manage to uh, uh, invest in 10 hours, 10, 10 minutes uh, a week on LinkedIn, you're likelier to um, see important notifications that happen to your network. You would see that someone you know has updated their profile and they've started with another company. And that's an ideal time for you to reach out to them and see how they've been without asking anything in return. Or you would see that someone else you know, uh, um, her birthday is today, then you could also you know, take a minute to actually wish her uh, a happy birthday. And if you only visit LinkedIn once a quarter for two days, then most of that information will be invisible. No one's going to, you know, you don't wish people a happy birthday three months uh, before, three months after. So would you say using LinkedIn on a daily basis is too often? After you start with 10 minutes and, and you find it interesting, then there are a lot of, there are many, many things you could do on a daily basis. They simply don't mean that you share things on a daily basis. You could research prospects. You could find content. You could revise your network. You could make introduction outside. You could do lots and lots and lots of things in the back uh, office, if you like. And actual sharing could be once, you know, in, in a reasonable way, in order not to be hidden or not to be disconnected from and, and really ask ourselves a simple question before we hit share. Will my network find this compelling? If you're sure about it, go ahead. But in many cases, it's either something we found interesting or something that they have seen or something that's only part of the net or network will find interesting. So um, leaving non-LinkedIn uh, habits outside may be best for, for many people. Because, you know, if we're on Twitter, then the whole psychology, the whole code is different. But on LinkedIn, Think of it as a conservative, slow, professional network. Most people are not interested in seeing our shares. They're the single most uh, frequent action LinkedIn users perform is viewing other people's profiles. It's not what they share. Just see what they do. And you're basically judged by the quality of the latest share you've uh, done, even if it's, you know, three months ago. If it's good, then I will think highly of you. If you shared five times in the last 48 hours and I think it's unintelligent, I'm not going to do anything to get closer to you. Excellent. Before the final question, what's the best way for the listener to find out more about you in general, your service and that thing that you mentioned earlier? Um, the best way is, is to go to my website, that's danielalfon.com, D-A-N-I-E-L-A-L-F-O-N.com. And the article section is probably the best way to uh, consume uh, long-form free content uh, that could make some people yeah. think and, and change some of their habits. Maybe. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on your website. Thank you very much. The final question that I ask every guest is, what's the most 
or the one most important thing to do or be for freelancing success? I wish I heard your question 25 years ago, Victor, but here's my answer. Be in peace with ourselves and be in peace with our significant other. It's not related to business, what I said, but um, becoming a freelancer is a career choice. I think it makes a lot more sense. I think like, like you that I wouldn't have it any other way. But it's a change. And sometimes people who care about us are, are very afraid of, of the impact it, it will have on us as a couple or as family or as anything else. And it, it's best to actually speak with those people, not when, not after there's a crisis, so not wait for the crisis and actually explain and show why you want to go that route and and how you think you can build your uh, consultancy or your freelance business uh, if you if you manage to uh, um, be in peace with yourself and with people who care about you you will be able to face challenges professional challenges in many times you know it's the uncertainty Okay, we move from, from famine periods to uh, feasting and, and you have to have a discipline and you have to remember why you're making this. Mm. Yep, brilliant. Okay, thanks again for joining us, Daniel. Um, it's uh, been some really great information. They have some very useful stuff, no doubt, for the listener. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much, Victor, and good luck with uh, Aspect Avenue and your uh, podcast. <laughs>